and we realized that people needed to understand uh, gospel themes throughout the scriptures so that they could also understand them in terms of their own lives and so also in the lives of other people. To be able to see that sin is really the problem and that Jesus is really the only uh, solution. And uh, the reason why we even started into gospel fluency was because a number of years ago, um, we were uh, thinking about how we were doing as a church. We were challenged by uh, a number of uh, church planters to think about growth, to think about reaching more people. And so we kind of did an evaluation. And there was, I think, about 10 questions on this very simple evaluation. And we probably got 9 out of 10, and Hillcrest was awesome. And Hillcrest is an awesome church. But when we sat down and looked at this one particular area, we realized that this is largely about half of our mission statement. And again, the mission statement is we strive to see all people reconciled to God and mature in Christ. We realized we would probably get lots of points for helping people to become mature in Christ if they were already Christians. But we realized we were largely failing at seeing new people come into the kingdom. Now, we would often celebrate big whenever that was happening somewhere else in our partners in missions, you know, kids out at Kettleston Camp making a decision for Christ. We thought that's, re- that's remarkable and we celebrate that. Uh, or through Joe's Place or through other ministries that are happening here in our city, we would celebrate those things. But we began to have a longing in our heart to see more and more people come into the kingdom to choose to follow Jesus through the work of Hillcrest Church. And that was our heart's desire. So we began to pray for strategies. We said, boy, uh, you know, we read lots of books and we looked at lots of different resources and other uh, organizations that help churches and people to be better at doing this kind of thing. That's kind of where gospel fluency came from. We realized, boy, we were clumsy at sharing the gospel, even knowing what it is. And uh, it's not like it's our own natural language. We have to pull out cue cards and use diagrams But we really wanted people who were believers to be able to think and speak naturally about how God has redeemed them, how they can be witnesses in the world. So that's why we did the story. That's why we did Gospel Fluency. That's why we've done uh, other series like Case for Christ or Case for Easter or a number of other different things. We want people to be fully saturated in the gospel so that it becomes something that we're able to share. And even uh, last year, we invited many of you to come to Kettleston Camp. Uh, we invited some special speakers to come in in cooperation with uh, Cam and Carrie at Kettleston. And we said this is going to be great for a lot of people. And we see this as being a great strategy for us going forward. So we brought in um, Benji and Jess uh, McNaughton. Uh, Benji is uh, Sheldon McNaughton's uh, brother. We brought them in and they did a great job at leading many of us. I think there was about 50 people roughly from Hillcrest who were there that week and got started in some of the themes that we're going to look at in this um, series And so as we launch into this, uh, I just want you to be mindful that we've been thinking about this for a long time, and we believe it's going to be very significant for us going forward. And thank you so much for all of the input and prayer that many of you have been partnering with us in getting us uh, to this place. So we're starting now, uh, but this will be something that will be uh, significant for us going forward. So today we're going to talk about, as we launch into this series, we're going to talk about the nature of Jesus' kingdom So for those of you who are maybe just checking out Christianity, you're trying to learn something about Jesus, hopefully this will give you a clear understanding about what the gospel is and why you want to be a part of his kingdom. So many people think that Jesus came to essentially give out tickets to heaven, you know, a wonderful place that you could go when you die. But in reality, he spoke mostly about the kingdom of heaven, which includes an eternal realm to it, but he gave the impression that it's already 
begun and that it's actually coming near to people. So if you're saying to yourself, I can't wait to get to heaven, don't wait. Uh, I believe the kingdom of heaven is coming near to us all. And this morning we're going to take a look at, again, many of you who've joined us for pre-service prayer have already read through this, but we're going to take a look at the Lord's Prayer uh, and highlight a few themes that will perhaps help us in launching into this series. So we're going to take a look. This is Matthew chapter 6, starting uh, verse 5. And I'll read and you'll see some words come across your screen as well. And when you pray, do not be like hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, oddly enough, most people, when they go to this passage, are heading straight for prayer. How do you pray? That's the questions that the disciples asked Jesus, and this is how he responded. But there's some things I'd like to highlight here that perhaps... Um, you maybe haven't meditated on. Certainly it was new for me to look at this passage in this light. But the first critical thing that we need to get our heads around is this. Christianity is about having a relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's about having a personal relationship with a loving Father. A Father who teaches you and guides you, who cares for you, who delights in you, who spends time with you, who makes you laugh. See, not all earthly fathers get it right. Perhaps you've experienced a very hard relationship with your father. Perhaps you had a great dad. But your heavenly father is even better. And he wants a relationship with you. In fact, he wants an eternal relationship with you. And Jesus, still speaking of prayer, he says this in Matthew 7. This is verse 7 to 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. See, even most earthly fathers desire to give good gifts to their kids, even though they are sinful and they're limited in their resources. And Jesus says, our heavenly father not only wants to give good gifts because he is good, but he's also able to fulfill every single promise 
that he makes to us. The second critical thing to see is that our Father in heaven is a king. And he has an advancing kingdom. His kingdom's rule and reign will expand through all of the galaxy, all of heaven and earth, and his reign will never end. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our father, but he is a king. See, our relationship with God is incredibly personal. We get to call him father. We get to experience his love and affection, his riches, joy, peace, eternal life. He has adopted us. In Christ, we have all of the benefits that only Jesus deserves. We are royalty in the kingdom of heaven because Jesus died in our place for our sin and offers us his righteousness for the life that he lived. But too often we forget that our father in heaven is a king, that he desires to see his kingdom grow, to see its borders advance, to see all of the blessings of heaven come to every region in our world so that many people will experience Uh, the blessing, uh, and find belonging in his kingdom. See, as a Christian, you are not just a soldier or a general in his army, but you are also one. You are not just an ambassador of his kingdom, but you are also one. Christians, don't forget that you are his children and that he is your father, but also don't forget who your father is. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the sovereign Lord and he has a kingdom to advance. In fact, power and the power and presence of God that we so often desire to experience is made available to those who in obedience seek the advancement of his kingdom. When I was a kid, I was involved in a midweek uh, program called King's Kids put on by an organization called Sunlight. And we played games in a church basement, and we did crafts, and we memorized scripture. And I'm certain that I owe a lot of my biblical knowledge and understanding to those faithful volunteers uh, who helped me week after week to put the word of God into not only my mind, but also my heart. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you are a king's kid. And we've spoken to this, uh, this idea before, just talking about how confidently we can come to him in prayer. But we do have to remember that he is this king, and he has a kingdom to advance. You've been adopted into his family. Think of this, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Uh, John 1, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, if you've never made that decision to put your faith in Jesus, there's a simple prayer of commitment that you can pray with me. And you can begin your journey. You can enter his family and become a part of his advancing kingdom. It's very simple. You can pray this. Dear Father, thank you that you love me and sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. 
I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Help me live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've been a part of Alpha for the last couple of years. Uh, Alpha is just a program that helps people learn about Christianity through uh, conversation and uh, just some uh, small teaching week by week. My group recently just went through session nine, which seeks to answer the question, what does the Holy Spirit do? In this session, they outlined six things, and I thought they were perfect to share with you this morning. Because becoming a Christian is like being born into a family. And largely, the work of the Spirit is laid out in this progression. First, the Holy Spirit comes along and helps us become sons and daughters of God. He helps us to develop the relationship with him. Uh, Further, he helps us to develop the family likeness, helping us to become more and more made in the image of Christ. Uh, The Holy Spirit helps us to keep unity in the family between all of the different believers. Each person in the family is given a unique personality, different gifts to help within the family, but also beyond. And the final thing that it highlights is that it's a growing family, that there is uh, something advancing, something increasing. So let me take you just through those points in greater detail and just highlight a few scripture verses for you. As we are sons and daughters of God, uh, we read a a few others earlier, but this is also John 3, 3 to 8. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And the question comes, well, how can someone be born when they are old? Uh, This guy Nicodemus asked. Surely they they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. Uh, Further, uh, in Romans 8, and again, you can read these and come back to these. I'll just highlight a few things about this. But for those of you who are led by the Spirit of God, are the children of God. Rather, the Spirit you received uh, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So we're made, we're adopted as sons and daughters of God, given that invitation that we can take hold of. And as we develop the relationship, the Spirit helps us by making the word more uh, alive to us as we read the Bible. And we have access to him, uh, to God, to have communion with him, to, through prayer, have conversation, to hear from him, to ask uh, questions of him, to have him answer. Um, Romans eight twenty six. in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray, we read it earlier, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit helps us understand God's word. Uh, this is Ephesians 1, 17 to 18. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Again, this is all this idea of this relationship developing through the power of the Holy Spirit with God, understanding more and more about who he is, the nature of the world, how we are made, and how we can, be, um, how we can have our identities fully restored in him, our eyes opened 2 Corinthians uh, 3, 18, talking about the family likeness. 
And we all, whom with unveiled unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There's this sense that we begin to look more and more like Jesus. We develop relationships with other people within the family of God, brothers and sisters. Ephesians 4 uh, says this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. And just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. There's this unity that we pursue as believers. And we are also given unique spiritual gifts that we can encourage one another, build each other up, that together we can accomplish something powerful as God has given unique gifts and personalities to each of us. But again, it's all for the same Lord, all for the same purpose, to see his kingdom advance. But it can't just stay there that we become a perfected people without having an impact on the world around us. Again, in Acts 1, uh, verse 8, it says this, You will receive power um, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, it's the natural progression that many families go on. First, you're born into it. You realize along the way that you have this relationship with your parents, that there's others who might have this relationship too, and your siblings. You learn all these different dynamics. You grow. You realize that you're unique and different and special, equally loved, and you become this um, tight-knit family. But this family has a mission. There is a kingdom to advance And uh, in Luke 17, this is uh, verses 20 and 21. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, "The the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. See, when other kingdoms expand, they take away land and rights and resources, freedoms from other nations and its people. For one border to increase, another must decrease. However, with the kingdom of God, there isn't a physical border to protect or advance through violence. It doesn't crush cultures when it expands. In fact, it helps them thrive and become even more beautiful. It expands as the kingdom takes root like a mustard seed in someone's heart. And it grows in surprising um, ways. A mustard seed becomes an oak tree and the birds of the air can come and land in its branches. When the kingdom expands, it always brings blessing. And I haven't said the word up until now because it comes with a lot of baggage for both Christians and non-Christians. Both Christians and non-Christians are uncomfortable with evangelism. I remember a few years ago, Ben Naismith, if you remember him uh, being here and doing some preaching, and he made a comment about asking everybody, how is evangelism going for everyone? And this place kind of erupted with nervous laughter. (laughs) Evangelism makes us uncomfortable as Christians. It makes other people uncomfortable as well. Now, 
this morning we're not going to jump into all of the dynamics as to why that word carries so much baggage or the negative things, um, you know, for political reasons or whatever it might be. But here's why I don't think we can just drop the word or abandon the concept or practice of evangelism altogether. There are lots of ways the word has been misused, but even though there's been negative thoughts, there are negative feelings attached to it, I think it's important that we consider what it truly is. The word in Greek literally means good message or good news. Why are people upset about it? How many of you have been watching John Krasinski's Some Good News videos on YouTube? Have you seen this? Over the last several weeks, you know, Jim from The Office, or Jack Ryan, if you're watching uh, that series, uh, in the middle of this pandemic and all the trouble and difficulty, he decided to share some good news. It's supposed to be lighthearted, uplifting, encouraging, funny. There's lots of bad news out there. And by contrast, he's trying to share some good news. And people around the world responded to his efforts, and it snowballed into something wonderful. If you haven't seen them, one of the latest episodes is a pretty good sum up of what it's all been about. I think if you watch it, most of you will laugh. Some of you will cry. In the end, you'll all feel pretty good in just 20 minutes or so. In fact, as soon as you're done watching this, go and check it out. But don't leave just yet. <laughs> if evangelism is good news, it should have that same effect as John Krasinski's, uh, John Kernicki, is that what the other one is? His show, it should inspire hope. It should make us laugh with joy. It should overcome us with emotion and inspire us with hope. For the sake of time, we won't spend too much time on why it's a bad word. Why both Christians and non-Christians uh, have had negative experiences with it. But if we're mindful of what it is, it is good news. By the way, the word gospel is just the old English word for evangelism. They are the same thing. You cannot love the gospel and hate evangelism. It's the exact same thing. In your New Testament, when you're reading and it says gospel, it's saying evangelism. See, evangelism is not salesmanship. The art of selling an idea or product, whether that idea or product has any value at all. See, the word preach throughout the New Testament is the word herald. They chose that word as opposed to just teaching. But preaching, it was the hard news. It was telling the facts truthfully relaying information about what has happened. And the good news is that something has happened. And we get to be witnesses of it. To share what we've seen and heard, to share what we know and what we've experienced. This is the gospel, the good news. This is why evangelism will stick around. You were created by God to enjoy a relationship with him. Because of sin, you were separated from him, but God sent his own son to die on the cross, to make a way to eradicate sin without destroying you, to rescue you, to be with him forever. You are adopted into his family, and you get to play your part in seeing his kingdom 
advance until kingdom comes. See, over the next four weeks, we're going to unpack a simple strategy for how to get started. See, religion is a touchy subject for many people in our culture. Many times, Christians feel unqualified, awkward, fearful, and despite our best intentions, can come across as self-righteous when we talk about our faith. So where do we start? We start with blessing. Start, starting with blessing, uh, the next four weeks, this is kind of what this is going to hold. Four simple steps that can be done by anyone. And we think this is such a brilliant strategy because one person can do it or a family can do it. Or we can do this through the, our spheres of influences, workplaces, schools, through hobbies and teams, as farmers, as teachers, as people in the arts and media, people in various trades, as life groups. See, this is something that, again, one person can do. It is one person reaching to another person. Or it is many people reaching a whole group of people. Perhaps it is the church in Moose Jaw reaching the city of Moose Jaw for Christ. You can see these four steps, and I'll highlight them quickly, from Luke chapter 10. They're simply this. First, to bless, to spend time with, to meet needs, to share Jesus. So I'll read from, uh, starting in verse 2 of Luke chapter 10. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. and Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. We think these four things, to speak peace to the house, is to bless those people. To spend time with them, eating and drinking, spending time in their homes, inviting them to yours. To heal the sick, is to meet the needs that they have. And then you'll have the opportunity to share Jesus. Now these stages fall into kind of a natural order that needs to be seriously considered, but we should always be eagerly desiring to go to the next level with people. As we close today, here's a few questions for you to reflect on. So life groups, again, you can take time to discuss this later together this week. Here's some questions for reflection. What worries come to mind when you think about going through a series on evangelism or sharing your faith? Do you think of yourself as a king's kid? The first part, have you received the adoption that he offers into his family? Or the second, are you ready to play your part in his advancing kingdom? When you hear the word evangelism, do you think good news? So as we close, if you have put your faith in Jesus, would you close your eyes 
Would you hold out your hands and say this simple prayer with me? I am a child of the King. Help me play my part in seeing your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Hey, if you held out your hands and you prayed that prayer today as a way of celebrating with all of those that have done that, would you leave a comment on our Facebook page or even on YouTube where you're watching this? If you're ready to go on this journey with us, simply type in, I'm a child of the King, just as a way to celebrate with many of the other people who also have prayed that prayer. I'm excited to go on this journey with you. And launching this series, again, I'm humbled because I don't think I'm a really great evangelist. Uh, I've been to uh, Kettleston Camp a few times. I used to be a cabin leader out there. I've had a number of opportunities through various youth ministries that I've been a part of to lead people to Jesus. But it seems like a small number. And when I look at the harvest is plentiful, when I look at the city of Moose Jaw, I am moved to see those people come into his kingdom. So I'm not a great evangelist. So maybe you're thinking, well, I'm in that same place too. But I hope as we launch into this series, as we get into next week, we will have a place to start right where you are, where you can start with blessing. Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, If you're interested in praying with someone this morning, uh, you can do that. You can always reach out to us on our social sites. We would love to connect with you. But if you want to pray, you can call our church number and pray now. We would love to pray with you. Have a great week. Hey, we're so glad you joined us today. We hope you stay connected with us online on our website, Facebook, and YouTube throughout the week. If you want prayer right now, we have prayer teams standing by ready to pray with you. Call in or send us an email. If you're new, check out our website to learn more about us, but also go to hillcrestmj.com slash connect card and fill out that card. We'd love to get to know you. Most importantly, if you decided to become a follower of Jesus today, firstly, we are so excited for you, but secondly, would you tell someone whether that be someone close to you, someone at the church, or even call into our prayer teams right now. This is the most important decision you'll make in your lifetime, and we want to celebrate with you and help you navigate those next steps. Again, thanks for joining us. Stay connected.